Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 32 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with narrator Chris Brinkley. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm great, and I'm excited to be on the podcast. <laughs> I listen, uh, and uh, it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. I always say that. I like, go, oh, people listen great, because <laughs> I always like, no one's listening. I, you know, I, all by myself. But I know you guys sometimes have that same exact feeling, because you're in the booth by, by yourself the entire time with other right. voices. It, it's a very isolated experience and when you record something and then you send it out to the universe and you just, you just don't even know. And I will tell you specifically that even this morning, I walk every morning either outside, depending on the weather, or on the treadmill, and I listen to podcasts. So I listen to your latest episode this morning mm-hmm. on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I'll send you the check later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you got started? Well, it all started for me um, when I was about... 14 years old. And, uh, I, for whatever reason, I, I didn't sleep well at night at about the age of 14, which is, which is ironic because now I take naps every single day, but <laughs> I didn't sleep much back then. So I would listen to nighttime radio and listen to talk shows at one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning. And I knew listening to the human voices that I wanted to work in radio. So I started working in radio at the age of 15, wow. um, ultimately became a sports broadcaster And then from there, decided I wanted to teach journalism and communications. And in in a class while I was getting my master's degree, uh, one of the professors said, I want you to do an independent study on the voiceover audiobook narration world. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to, I thought it was the silliest thing ever. I did not (laughs) want to do that. Um, My heart and passion was in radio. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted a grade, a good grade in the class. And so at the time, ACX was just becoming prominent uh, in the audiobook world. And I went home and built a little home studio to make an A in this class and audition for a book. And that's where it all began. I think it was in 2013 or 2014. And uh, the very first book I auditioned for, I got on ACX. It was not a good book, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got the book. And then I, I got a royalty check. I think my first royalty check was $4.44 or something like that. And I thought, you know, I, re- I really want to try this. So that's how it started for me. Wow. That's a nice, interesting jump from radio to teaching to this. And th- as an assignment, as you know, usually it's one of those, someone said I sounded decent mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, the whole thing. But as a homework assignment, I'm like, where are these professors when I was in college and younger? <laughs> My first studio was was a cardboard box. And inside of it, I had mattress padding because mm-hmm. that would deaden the echo and a little microphone. And that that's how it started for me. And it was a it's a very different world. Uh, you know, a radio presentation, a voice actor presentation, a narration presentation is very different. So I had to lose a little bit of the radio part of me uh, to figure out how to be a decent audiobook narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people just think you just stand in front of the mic and start talking. But there's different nuances to different mics, right? As far as like, if you're doing if you're recording for broadcasting versus an ad versus performing like a book and definitely. It, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm so for usually the way I hear it when I don't do sports, I'm sorry. But I, what I've heard, always heard, it can sound a little bit conversational, but there's also the cadence and there's some kind of pronunciations. It's very factual reporting what's going on in the field versus, you know, romance or audiobooks where they're telling you things are going kaboom or they hate each other, but they still want to kiss them. Uh, <laughs> so, right. So much yeah, different. No, it, well, it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all communications. Basically, I'm trying to relay a message to you from the sender to the listener, mm -hmm. but in all of the different forms of communication, it's done differently. It's done differently in talk radio than it is in sports broadcasting than it is in audiobooks, even with from nonfiction to fiction, from action to romance to paranormal. It's all done in a, in a different way. But my goal, it really, and it took me a while to figure this out, was to tell that story, whatever it is, when you know, even if it's a, a basketball game, what is the story of this game? What is the narrative? Or if it's an audiobook, how do I make the words on that page come alive? And how do I tell you that story? And when I'm really doing my job or any narrator is doing their job, uh, you get so engrossed in the story that you never leave the story until it's over. Um, and that's my goal. That's my goal. Every time I, I open my mouth to narrate or record something or to communicate through this type of medium. Having that experience of being, you know, recording and broadcasting, do you have any kind of ritual before getting into the booth to record, whether it's some people have it where they drink a lot of tea or they have some vocal exercises, others do yoga, others just, you know, just go in cold kind of a thing. Well, for many, for many years, I, I did morning radio and morning radio is tough because it's Monday through Friday. You talk for four hours, you wake up at 4 a.m. and get to the station at 5 a.m. and you're ready to roll. And most morning DJs drink a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. I learned later that in the audiobook world, that's the mm -hmm. last thing you want to do is be <laughs> caffeinated or drink coffee. Although some narrators, but, but no, it really, it dries your vocal cords out and you, you have more mouth noises and little clicks and nuances. Um, so the one thing I think that that I try to do before I get into the booth, uh, particularly for long form narration, which would be an audiobook, is drink a ton of water. I do drink herbal tea, some, mm -hmm. um, but mostly water, a lot of water. And I want to be in the right frame of mind. I want to be 100 percent focused. So I kind of close my eyes and take some deep breaths and realize that, you know, when I get in there, I'm going to be in that story and nowhere else. My mind, I refuse to let my mind wander. And if it does, I need to step out and stop recording because I really do believe this. I believe and I believe it works in in radio and sports broadcasting and everything. If if I'm reading this story to you or narrating this story and my mind starts to to, to wander, if I'm thinking about where I'm going to eat dinner tonight or what the grocery list looks like. I think you subconsciously pick up on that and your mind will wonder too. And the more engaged I am, the more engaged the listener will be. So I think that's the biggest thing that I try to do before every session is just hyper-focus and, and just be in that moment. Well, you have to be, like I said, some of these books, whether it's a memoir and, you know, they have these different kinds of chapters and sometimes the memoirs can be all funny, but sometimes they can be, you know, certain things can be more emotional and those type of emotions can be all happy-go-lucky and others can be very, very sad. And then you go into high fantasy where you're like in space and there's all these other things or getting into that mode of being in the moment in that story because it could be so different is important. And I think listeners truly appreciate that at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I try to, I try to, it's interesting that when I first began narrating, like when I, when you read a scene Hopefully you can close your eyes and, and you can see it like you can smell it. You can feel it. There was a book I did a couple of years ago. It was in a um, 
a boxing gym and I was warming up as a boxer to train for a fight. And, you know, in my head, I, you, you, I try to imagine the sounds and smell the smells, which obviously weren't super pleasant in a gym, but just no. to, to be, be in that atmosphere and be in that moment. And then I, I find that now, sometimes in my regular life, when someone tells me a story about something they did today or yesterday, that my mind tries to visualize every bit of it and tries to see the characters. And I have to back off a little bit and say, Chris, this is your regular life. You don't have to invest <laughs> as much time into this story. Somebody's just telling you a funny story. Mm -hmm. well, some, well, that's where the whole like, you, you maybe you just have to be there for it to be funny it helps. But, yes. yeah. but at the same time, it, you know, a lot of people say when they read, they see a like a almost like a movie in front of them. And sometimes it's, it's been said the same thing with audiobooks that while they're listening, it's almost like they completely visualize it based on the narrator's performance of them being in a swamp or them being in, in a different planet or going through those emotions as the characters are going through because of how the performance was done. So it's appreciated. And that's what that's what I love the most. That's when my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing with entertainment, be it a book or a magazine article or a movie or a television show is to be completely lost and immersed in it and forget where I really am in, in life. And when when an audio book is done like that, it's done right. And there's also different types of narrations. I, I, I think the conversation sometimes is when people pick up a book, what they expect. Some people expect it to have just someone literally just reading the words out loud with no accent work or any, they're just telling you the story, how it was in, in the book. And then others... Are performing it so they'll do the different types of voices and the accents and you have no question on who's speaking when because of those different tone intonations that happen and mm -hmm. and sometimes people are like they love that or they don't love that and i'm like i i will listen to both because i want my, my audio and i want to be my stories and i don't have time to sit down and eyeball read but it's it's also kind of very interesting how you guys do all that stuff and the process of going about it so when you get cast in a book how do you go about voicing and, and figuring out how these characters are going to sound? So when it comes down to free to record, you already have all that stuff set up. Well, it, it, notes and, and prep work. So, you, yeah, you go through the manuscript. Um, the best, honestly, the best thing that I can do is have a conversation with the author. Mm -hmm. That's not always possible because I, I want to know, you know, who is this character, particularly the main character? Who is this character? Um, and why are they in this book and what is their story? And then, so I go there, uh, I, one of the most popular series I did, and it was the first fiction series I did was with Penny Reed and it's the Winston brothers. And there are six brothers. And when she first cast me through ACX with the first Winston brother book, she didn't know that I would do all six brothers. And I didn't know that either. So I was just focused on the, the main character in the first book and ended up doing all six brothers and in doing brothers, that was a little bit difficult because they're they're all very much alike, but they're mm -hmm. different. And two of the brothers are twins. So okay. how do you do how do you do twin? Yeah, how do you voice twins that are going to be in this entire series that are twins, but they're very different? The listener knows immediately. And she wrote them differently. One smiles more than the other. And you know, you can hear a smile, you mm -hmm. can hear one. And I think I had to figure out a lot then uh, when I first started narrating how to make this different. But if you go too far, Viviana, this is the interesting thing. If you go too mm -hmm. far, I take you, I take you out of the story. Yeah. Um, and I never, ever, ever want you to leave the story. Um, so it's it's real subtle and it's been something that 
it's a craft that I've been working on and the really great narrators do such a wonderful job with it. Um, and I just hope to honor those characters and honor the book and honor the author and make the listener happy. Especially when that author writes a dinner party where they're all hanging out oh. at the same time yes. and in the same room and they're all yes. talking to each other and you're going, thank you. Thank you yes. so very much. <laughs> yeah, that's very No, that those, those chapters, whoa, the Christmas uh, chapters, the Thanksgiving chapters, mm -hmm. the dinner scene chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've gotten much better at it. But as, as, a, as a beginning narrator, those mm -hmm. were so intimidating. Um, mm -hmm. And for a male narrator, when you have multiple or just the opposite gender, but for a male narrator, when I had three or four different females talking to each other in dialogue, whoo, it took a while to figure that part out. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you get a chance when you get the chance to speak to the author, because sometimes by the time the casting happens and you the recording schedule begins, the author has already decided to write book five in a series. Um, and it's just book one that you're starting. And there's always that one or two characters that pop up in a, in a scene that is like that best friend. And so because you're limited on how many voices you can do in general, because, you know, we're human and that's the good thing. Um, you may give that character that, you know, if it's a female, that very bubbly, you know, like I'm from California, like, oh my God. And that's going to be very annoying when she's the heroine in book five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Or the hero that has that deeper voice that's because the best friend. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this so this kind of happened in the Penny Reed series. There is mm -hmm. a character that is very, very popular. His name is Cletus. And uh, Cletus is is a little different. And he was the guy. And these characters are from the state of Tennessee. I'm from the state of Tennessee. But Cletus was less Southern and would uh, overpronounce every syllable almost mm. like and I, the the joke is in the South that we fix things with duct tape, but Cletus literally would call it duct tape. He would pronounce mm. the T at the end of D-U-C-T, duct, duct tape. Okay. So I'd be very precise when I was Cletus. So when I got to Cletus's first person book, mm -hmm. I asked Penny Reed, I said, do you know, do I, do I overpronounce everything for an entire book? Because that could really get annoying to the listener. And she said, no, 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 no. And Penny Reed's on a different level. She said, uh, Cletus's voice is normal in his own head. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, you just sound normal because that's the way Cletus hears himself. Um, yes. so I backed it. So it was a very subtle, I mean, I overpronounced a little, but it was, it was very subtle and even, even for her. And I thought this was interesting that she got this, uh, as an author and not a narrator, but when Cletus was in person or when Cletus was giving the dialogue of one of his brothers, it wasn't necessarily that brother who was talking. It was Cletus's version of that brother. Uh huh. So. So, so on the Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd cartoons, Mel Blanc, there's this great episode where Bugs Bunny is impersonating Elmer Fudd and Elmer Fudd is impersonating Bugs Bunny. So you're not getting Bugs Bunny, you're getting Elmer Fudd impersonating Bugs mm -hmm. Bunny. So it's, it's, it can, be, I can overthink it. Let's just say that I can overthink <laughs> those dinner scenes when seven people are talking to each other. I love that she realizes that because as a listener and as an identical twin, because I have an identical twin sister. I understand. You're an identical twin? Yep. Identical wow. married twin. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So I've had people when back in the day when we had house lines and phone lines in the house and you would just have to randomly pick it up to see who the heck was on the other end. There were times where my friends would call me, but my sister would pick up and they're like, hey, Viv, blah, blah, blah. Like She's like, nope, wrong sister. Because we do sound a lot alike. 
but you brought it up as far as like one twin smiling more than the other one. That would be me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one okay. that smiles more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She does not so much. And that's where how we hear each other. I remember being upset and mimicking her. You know. So yeah, so you you weren't doing it wasn't her, but it was your version of her. Right. She was annoying at the time. So I'm like, right. And so that happens in a lot of books, too, because mm-hmm. the dynamics, like even in the Winston brothers, and I, I, this is it's just a perfect example. I keep mentioning it, but each brother has a different interpersonal relationship with the other brother. Yes. So the way they interact with each brother is based on that history of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So it, it changes. So one brother might sound different when talking to another brother. In other words, you sound different when talking to your twin sister than you would when you're talking to me. If a narrator can pick up on that, that's mm-hmm. golden. Yeah, yeah, that's golden. That yeah. is, yeah. And that's also how I tell sometimes when readers and listeners get upset that when, you know, that accent or that tone, you know, cadence was used when they were the side character, but now they don't sound exactly the same as then when they're the lead character. I've had to remind them that we all sound differently depending on who we're talking to in, in our ears. And yes. so how I sound to you on here you'll hear it again if we when we meet in person but it'll sound a little different because you know devices and yes in the moment yeah. too and all that fun stuff and they're like oh and i'm like yeah and they're like yeah. oh now so, makes sense and like yep. yeah so as a as a man like my best friend will be in the car talking to me on our way to play golf and then when his wife calls and i hear him talking to his wife he's not even the same person <laughs> and i'll I'll like who are you you talk yeah. to me like but you talk to your wife like this <laughs> mm-hmm. well yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's a thing it's also it's called you know code switching depending on who we're speaking to and what the situation situation is scenario how I speak to my friends versus how I go when I have to go into a meeting, totally different. And the same thing here versus where I'm just, you know, shooting the shit with you, with you mm-hmm. guys at the bar. There's different things that are being said. And I think as listeners starting to realize that when it comes down to audiobooks, when there is a change in that character being side character or in one chapter versus not the whole damn book, they're like, ah, oh, okay, that's why. And they're like, okay, good. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Please include that information on the review. Don't ding them on this. <laughs> yeah, no, and sometimes we do get dinged on that. That's beautifully yeah. that's be- beautifully explained, though. Thank you. And, it's, mm-hmm. and you called it code switching? Yeah, code switching yeah, okay. is what it's called. Okay. And a lot of cultures, like, for example, myself, because I'm bilingual, how I, you know, the cadence in how I speak in English versus what I'm speaking in Spanish is completely different. You'll see it. There's certain words that I will not say unless I'm really pissed off and they need to die. <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> like the word cunts. Yeah. I don't ever use it for anything except for like, if you hear me say, oh my God, they're such a fucking cunt. You're like, oh, that, that, oh, okay. Right. But in Spanish, it won't be a certain word. The Argentinian accent comes out as I get more upset. And oh. yeah, so that's that code switching too, depending on who I'm speaking with, what the words are. If Spanglish starts coming into play, it's just something really chilled. And also because you know the language. When you don't know the mm-hmm. language, that's not going to come out when I'm speaking to you. So mm-hmm. that's all that whole code, code switching. And that's, I guess, all done subconsciously. It is subconsciously, but also consciously. I think from a, from a society perspective, sometimes individuals will feel like they have to code switch in order to be taken serious in certain scenarios. Whether it's, you know, when you're hanging out and you're busting out with, you know, don't, you know, hey, bitch, come here. Even if you're at work, you can't bust out with that kind of language, even if it's not considered a negative, right? Or when you're, right. you know, I, I do a lot of like, when I like you, I, and we have that relationship kind of thing, 
I, nicknames are a term of endearment for me. And I've learned to ask for permission too, because sometimes those term of endearments were, are for me can be a bit insulting to other people or they come across as if they're oh. condescending. And I'm like, no, I, I like you. So I'm going to call you sweetie, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. love and things like that. And, and so hence the permission, but I can't do that in a meeting in a fortune 500. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. So that's that. Yeah. So I'm code switching how I speak to people based on who my audience is. Same thing when you're presenting and even you guys even do it too. When you guys are coming and hanging out at the bar as narrators at a convention versus when you're doing a panel. Right. Yeah. yeah so exactly. And you know, and I think I would do it again. My career has been through communications, but as I said earlier, hosting a morning radio show, mm-hmm. the way my, the way I talk there is much different than broadcasting a basketball game, which is very different than narrating a nonfiction book, which is very different than narrating a romance fiction mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But even when we have accents, so a lot of times we love a Southern drawl in a, on a cowboy, right? But then sometimes people can view having some kind of that, that Southern accent as if being not as smart. Right, right. And so people get rid of it sometimes so they don't have that, you know, scenario situations or they'll get rid of it when they're at work. And then when they're hanging out with their best friend, they're like, you know, the, it all comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think um, I, in a, a, a higher level linguistics class, I yeah. took that it, when you're stressed mm-hmm. under the influence of alcohol or <laughs> back in your surroundings, you revert back to however you talked or what you heard when you were between the ages of eight and 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that That's not always the case, but most likely. And I thought that was really interesting to to look back at. What what you what was your environment when you were eight to twelve years old, and what did the people around you sound like? Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of your comfort area. And you know, to be quite honest, Viviana, for me, um, I was from Tennessee. The reason I got the Winston Brothers, my first fiction book, was because she wanted someone with a Tennessee accent, and that's the only reason I auditioned for a fiction book. I thought I would live in the world of nonfiction for the rest of my life. Um, and I had no acting background. So I got that book because of my accent. I also had worked really, really hard as a sports broadcaster to lose my accent, to not sound like I wanted to be general American. I did not want to be Southern and took linguistics classes and voice and diction classes. And how can I not let anyone know that I'm Southern? And do you know, the most success I've had in voice acting and narration has been with my Southern accent. Mm -hmm. And I really think that sometimes what we think is our biggest weakness might be our biggest strength. And we just yes. don't realize it, or at least that's what happened for me. It, it can be. I think it's also how we view things and how society has changed, but also the environment. As romance listeners um, and audiobook, we love the accents. <laughs> so yeah, give me yeah. the cowboy, give me the Southern drawl, give me, you know, there's a, the the British or the even the Spanish accent when done right. It, it's, it, it's like, oh, that's, that's exotic. That's sexy. Even if, it, again, mm-hmm. cowboy would mean, again, I'm from Florida, so I can just go six hours up and I, I get the Savannah, Georgia. But then I go that's to right. Atlanta and it's different. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And you go to Alabama and it's different. Uh-huh, and Mississippi yep. and it's different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then depending on where in Texas I'm hanging out with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that and that's why I live in West Tennessee. The Winston brothers were in East Tennessee. And I asked Penny Reed, I said, do you need West Tennessee or East Tennessee? And she just she was like, what? And I'm like, you're, yeah. You're in her yeah. Yeah. No, West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, East Tennessee, all very different. That's where listeners, I think, are starting to learn that because they've always thought, like we love the British accent, but British, when you know, when you go over to the UK, 
there's so many different areas and it depends. The same thing like when you go to New York, there's going to be different types of accents or like we mm -hmm. just mentioned in Texas because it's huge, but Tennessee is another one too. So having to learn that and, stuff. And Florida is really blended, right? It's all oh, over God, the yeah. place. Oh, it's all yeah. over the place. Um, yeah. And all depends. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you have an accent, Viv, but what is it? And I'm like, I'm going to stay mysterious and how you figure that out. <laughs> um, but born and raised in Miami, Florida, you have a bit of because of also being bilingual, um, there's there's something there's going to be certain words that I'm either overpronouncing because in Spanish is overpronounced or I'm trying to make sure I am pronouncing it correctly. But in Florida, I mean, we have we have the southern drawl so if you get a little higher up north and then and you know certain words are done differently in orlando than they're done in other places and my favorite is like okeechobee and kissimmee <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah kissimmee like no it's kissimmee kissimmee that's right kissimmee. <laughs> from a performance perspective what's your favorite accent to perform probably the 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 real southern um mm -hmm. I, I i basically i stick to general american and southern just because of what you said because i know there's such variance that is so subtle and I don't know if, if I can perform it accurately. And I feel like a lot of voice actors who do Southern and aren't Southern get it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, are they over just what you said? They, they over Southern basically. So, um, so I, I, I enjoy, I guess I enjoy kind of reverting to the version of me before I tried to lose my Southern <laughs> accent, which is, which is subtle Southern. Um, but I, I, it's just so natural uh, and it's, it's relaxing. It is. It's, it's nice. I think sometimes, again, people automatically are posting, especially in romance, they're like, oh, that sounds sexy. I'm like, that's just a nice little lull there. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm listening and it's nice and relaxing. And I'm like, okay, cool. We just, we're chilling. But I can, I totally understand when it gets to the sexier times too, where that people yeah. are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's the goal. I, I want my voice, I hope my voice is comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, I really strive for that. I want to, um, to, if, if you're having a bad day or you're at a tough time in your life or you just need an escape, um, I, I hope my voice can do that somehow to, to help make your day better. Yeah. I think a lot of it, you know, storytelling can be easing and escapism, but that's also where I think there's been an upsurge in having these messages kind of done by you guys whether it's an affirmation or the hey you woke up really early today and it's time to go to bed now so stop scrolling and get to nap you know napping when you guys tell you know and we have those recordings from you guys fans are like oh okay great or having us do the story time before going to bed that they're you know that comfort is there and you guys do yeah. have that you know ability to just go okay great chris is talking now so i'm not going to have the nervous <laughs> breakdown <laughs> kind of wish what, we kind of had you a little bit on like listen i'm about to kill someone so chris what <laughs> yeah one of my audible reviews said i love chris brinkley and i love his voice but there's something about it that puts me to sleep i can't stay awake while i listen to him and i thought well i don't know if that's a compliment or an insult but i'll take it i'll, I'll yeah. take the nice review and keep it there anyway <laughs> yeah that's where you're like you should probably if you haven't already um Sleepy time. I forgot there's a couple of different ones, sleep apps where they, they read you the story, but it's very nice and comforting and everything's neutral. And you just kind of start that cadence that happens when, you know, you're like, oh, I think I'm getting sleepy now. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a comfort level and things like that. Um, you have narrated a bunch of different genres. Is there one that you, I don't want to ask for a favorite, but do you have one that you're like, yeah, that's, we're going to do this book because it's XYZ genre? 
Uh, I probably I, f- I feel most comfortable now. I think in romance and in, mm-hmm. in rom com. I really mm-hmm. like it uh, where uh, uh, where you can laugh, but it's mm-hmm. also sexy too. Um, so so a really good rom com with a good story that is funny and is sexy. And 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 this this was always before I even started narrating books. I would I love movies, uh, and I would say this about movies: like I really want to care about the characters. I want you to be able to to stop this movie midway through it, and I I have to see the end of it because I want to make sure these characters are okay. But I also don't want to know how it's going to end. And a, and a good book that has the ability to do that. That those are my favorite. Midway through it, you you're rooting for the characters, and you also have no idea where they're going. And in romance, because of the fact that it, in, in order for it to be classified as romance, we have to have the happily ever after. So we know they're going to end up together. The journey of how they get there, especially when they just could have talked about it for the first five minutes and a couple chapters in, and they would have been <laughs> fine. Instead of yeah. no, fifteen years later, she comes back. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is there um, a subgenre in romance that you have yet to do that you're kind of like curious or wanting to do? Oh, no, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. What are some subgenres and what do you? Well, you mentioned rom-com, so that's a subgenre. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but we have the paranormal is another one. There's sci-fi, there's high fantasy. There's... You know, the so the so the issue with sci-fi, paranormal and high fantasy and, and this is your world, too, right? Uh-huh. OK. I I and I even have a, a an issue with with superhero movies and that's like the biggest thing in the world. I don't understand the rules of the world. So I get I get tangled up in the um sometimes in in I guess the rules of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that has me backing off from paranormal a little bit. Mm. Does that make sense because you have to learn the rules of the world to immerse yourself in the world. And 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 I guess most really good paranormal authors or sci-fi authors tell you the rules of the world. You learn them as the book progresses. Yeah, as, um, a, as the main character might be learning it as to why she discovers her aliens. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it confuses. It, I don't know if my brain can hop, can comprehend all of that. Steve, I think we're gonna have to find you. I know, and I know one or two already off the top of my head. Um, so Danica Dark. And her books are in audio, uh, narrated by Nicole Poole, who is fantastic. One of her series I've always kind of classified as it's contemporary, basically, and it reads it contemporary. There just happens to be shifters involved in it. Mm-hmm. There are a, a bunch of different books that do that world building in advance, but I totally understand it. I mean, there's been some series that I have not picked up that I've been dying to pick up, but it just looks so intricate and detailed that I'm going I don't think I'm going to get this and not because I'm right because you think it's going to require a lot of effort on your part exactly and figuring out and and pronunciations I mean like I listened and that's where audiobooks sometimes is fantastic I listened to Discovery of Witches because that's a a paranormal it was awesome because she bases her books in like in Europe and there's some time traveling there's no way that I would have known how to pronounce certain words so I would have been like and then they went to shit over there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know? yeah and yeah. when there's a, when there's only one or two instances of something like that where you kind of like blah, 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 because you don't know how to pronounce it it's fine but when most of the books you're gonna get it's gonna be taken out you're taken out of the story mm-hmm. and so the, mm-hmm. the having the narrators be able to do that whether it's a french language or you know outer space realms 
It does that. But there are a bunch of books out there, I think, that fall into that sci-fi paranormal that, you know, we can sure find you and suggest them to you, too. You okay. You, I, I do have an answer now because I okay. realized this morning I listened to your episode with Denise Grover Swank, and I've done books with her, and it's romance mystery or mystery yes. romance. And I like yeah. that. I like that because I yeah. like a good mystery, and I get the romance part, too. Um, so that's a subgenre that I enjoy. Cool. Yeah. The, 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 also the romantic suspense where you kind of get that action and things mm -hmm. are going kaboom. Um, and yes. you're getting yeah. shot at and you're trying to figure out who done it and how you're going to get out of this one. But then you look over and she's hot and you just want to kiss her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I laugh at those moments. I mean, I love it. I'm a huge fan of romantic suspense because I love that action thing, but I'm in there's so many different tropes that can fall underneath it. But at the same time, I'm going, girl, you're getting shot at. We understand he's hot, but run. <laughs> i love that yeah and then you're like all right okay okay they're good they're safe all right now you can make out <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait till you get home and shower <laughs> mm -hmm, right <laughs> but then there's also those are the kind of different scenes that happen in books depending on the genre when it comes down to the books that you've narrated is there a type of scene that you love that you're like oh it's coming up whether it's bantering or you know, the, the first discovery or that first kiss? Is there one that you love that you're like, yay? Uh, wow, you, you ask great questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I think it's that first scene where both characters go all in. Mm -hmm. Like they let their guard down for the first time. Because I'm, I'm kind of a guarded person in real life. Mm -hmm. And and I just think that, that intimate scene, and it's really more the, um, I'm going to sound sappy and cheesy, but it's when they truly emotionally let their guards down with each other and connect. I mm -hmm. like that scene. Yeah. 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 Those are the, I think some of the better ones too. I mean, I like the sexy times I do, but mm -hmm. when there's that moment where they let the other person take care of them yes. or they're, they, they've let their guard down with all of a sudden they're talking about how they like, you know, a certain kind of food and you're where everybody else would be like, that's disgusting. And and the other person is just looking at them like, oh, I can make that for you. You know, I yeah. won't eat it, but I'll make yeah. it for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And it's like, um, yeah, it's when, when the other person, it's when one person accepts someone for who they are mm -hmm. and loves them even more. And when that happens, the sexy scenes are even better. Because then, then you're truly emotionally connected when it all comes together. And that's also a good testimony to a good written story. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you have that connection and you're going, okay, fine. And then it makes all sense. I mean, again, I do love my sex and I'm not shaming anything. But when they're getting hot and heavy and they just met, I'm going, I know it could be good. I, I know. But at the same time, when that other scene happens, you're like, that, that's when it's good. That's yeah. when it's vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, I like to be surprised even as a narrator, even though as I prep, you know, I like those scenes that make me go, Whoa, I can't believe that just happened. Or, you know, I look forward to performing those because, um, that's what I like in a good story. I like the, I like a good unpredictability. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole journey part of things, like not being able mm -hmm. to determine that they're the bad guy or how they're going to fix mm -hmm. it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I know when I'm watching a TV show or a movie, I'm like, I know who did it already. And I have to remind myself that A, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Uh, but B, also, it's like, OK, well, let's that's let's just figure out how it gets done then. 
since I've been yeah. able to figure out who'd done it. Well, so. you know, and and I, I like you're funny you say that because I don't when I watch a movie or read a book, I don't mm-hmm. try to predict the future. I try to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because I find myself when I predict the future, it's not as interesting to me. And most of the time it doesn't work out like I think it would work out anyway, because I'm not smart enough for, for it to work out. And I've just started, I've written two books myself and I've started writing more and I'm trying to to figure that out. My favorite part is, and it's what you just said, it's when someone pulls the rug out from under me, but here's the key. I have to be standing on the rug. Yes. <laughs> if, if they if they pull the rug out from under me and the rug's on the other side of the room, the rug's not under me. That doesn't work. That just makes me flustered. But yes. yeah, the, the, the but great writers can do that. Great mm-hmm. storytellers can do that. They can talk you into standing on the rug. Then they can pull it out from under you. And that's a great feeling. It is. Yeah. I would be so annoyed when they try to do that. And you're like, what's the point? I'm not on it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they do it and you're going oh shit and you convince me to step on it and, not- <laughs> uh. and right. the, yeah so so right. you've mentioned now that since you brought it up <clears throat> thank you you're writing and you've had these books done can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so it it started with me back to when i was working on a master's degree to teach uh, i did a, a a research paper on the illusion of companionship is what i called it the illusion of companionship so when I worked in radio, it was small town radio. A lot of people thought they knew me, but in reality, we had never met each other, right? They only knew me through hearing me on the air every morning, doing a morning show, talking about my life and things I did and my interests. But when I would go to the grocery store, people would know all these things about me. So again, the illusion of companionship, which is a good thing because there are a lot of people that we think we know that we've never met and will probably never meet. Um, a great example I think of back in the 1990s was Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone felt like they could sit down and hang out with Oprah. Most of us had never met Oprah, but she had created the illusion of companionship with her viewers. So I wanted to create an audiobook that created the illusion of companionship. I wanted you, the listener, to not only be part of the story, but to think I was talking to just you. Um, so I wrote it in a romance genre where the name of the book is my story of us and it goes from january 1st to december 31st and i'm i'm writing a diary a journal just to you about our relationship as i fall in love with you now the goal again was for me to i wrote this just for you i'm talking to you if you have Mm -hmm. your airpods in or your earbuds in um i'm telling you our story and you get immersed in the story Now, what I found out after I wrote it and recorded it is that some people put themselves in that situation. For others, it was just a voyeuristic experience. It was more like listening to a guy read his diary as he fell in love with someone. And then there was a percentage of the audience that just didn't know what the heck was going on, nor did they care. Like (laughs) it it didn't work. Um, But but some people really got it and felt that. It was like, wow, I felt like you were talking to me, like I'm part of that story. The interesting part of that story is for me, for you to be part of the story, you're my main character, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't have a name, you don't have a height, you don't have a hometown. Um, I I had to create that illusion without talking about you specifically, because if it was something about you that wasn't like you, that would take you out of the story. So I thought I was writing something that was easy to write, and it ended up being difficult because of that. Um, the second series the second book in the series is my story of us Thomas and it's a very different story it's about a man uh whose wife wants a divorce and 
she asked for separation in the very first chapter of his journal, and then it's about him renewing his love and winning his wife's heart back. And then they have two children too. So again, the first book is about a man falling in love for the first time. The second book is about a man trying to save his marriage. Wow. That is interesting, especially the the whole concept of the illusion of companionship, because it's so prominent now with social media. Yes. People think yeah. that they know someone because they're posting about their vacations or you know, or how I share that I have dogs or cats or the twin sister stuff and everything. And, and what we do now with social media, they have it's a bit of a voyeurism, right? Like you were mm -hmm. saying, others mm -hmm. is like, oh, I know them because they, this is what they say. I'm like, well, you only know what I let you know. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a whole lot more. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like an iceberg. You only seen the top part. <laughs> the, yeah. the bottom is it's huge. And it's, it's only for, you know, individuals that have the privilege to go there and not everybody does and, and but right. people think that and even with you guys as narrators when you do these kind of interviews and when you are on social media and what you're sharing you may have that moment where you bust out with a sexual innuendo and then everybody thinks that you're like that all the time and it's like right mm, not like that all the time yeah right <laughs> right yeah right and I, and I think that was one of my fears the first book convention i went to uh was that yeah, because I, I, I would find this in radio because when people would meet me for the first time when I was on the radio, they only knew my voice and they would say, wow, I thought you were taller. I thought <laughs> you had a mustache. I thought blah, blah, blah. You know, I was who they wanted me to be. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't me to them. I was who they wanted me to be. Um, and I, I knew going to this book convention that I don't know, I might not meet expectations, <laughs> uh, but really, because I've, you know, I've done romance. What are yeah. people expecting? And Six with the Winston two. Brothers series, all of the brothers had have a beard. I yeah. didn't have a beard. And I thought, well, should I grow a beard before no. I go to this event? Because people will expect me to have a beard. And and there were only a handful of times where people would say, wow, I'm, I'm you've, you're not what I thought. You know, you're great, but you're not what I thought you would be. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And and I don't know. There's there's a dissonance there. But you're going back to your social media point. You're so right. And it goes back to the very beginnings of Facebook is that mm -hmm. people are not people are who you who who they want the version of them they want you to see when they post on social media it's not really who they are it's just a very small piece of the pie yeah and that's inclusive of people that will say oh no i'm completely transparent and i'm like yeah but you're not busting out recording yourself when you're having a temper tantrum or right. a meltdown because right. someone took all your favorite cookies and you just mentally and emotionally wanted those cookies for yep. example. And yeah. that's a very yeah. basic kind of, you know, moment in life. And I think that that's where sometimes the fandom um, can cross some barriers and some lines in how they think that they know you or how they speak to you or about you guys as narrators. Also, because they're thinking of you as the character that you're narrated. And right. And see, and I think I think, Viviana, I think it's a much more intimate experience, because if you have my voice in your ears for mm -hmm. eight hours, um, mm -hmm. you are, you're not seeing me. So you're visualizing who I am and what I look like. So you're, it's much what I tried to do with the, my story of us series. I'm leaving a lot blank, but you're connecting the dots and filling in the, uh, the pieces of the puzzle based on your past experiences and what you want me to be. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. and so, so that that's kind of the great thing about morning radio, the illusion of companionship is that you know, I'm always there when you want me or need me. You just turn on the radio and I'm there. But when you're done listening to me, you can also turn me off. If I was really in your life, 
and Chris, I, and, go away. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the perfect companion. That's the yeah. illusion of companionship. Yeah. yeah. I'm there when you need me. I'm not when you don't. Yeah. Um, and even with, and I think I got a lot right with the, my story of us series mm-hmm. because listeners have commented and emailed me and said, well, when did this happen? Or when did that happen? Because they think it's really based on my life, but it, it's not. I mean, obviously every author writes about what they know. So to a certain extent, it's based on my knowledge okay. and what happened in my life. But a lot of people thought it was my real journal. The first time I <laughs> fell in love, the time I got a divorce and there will be six books in this series and they're all very different. And they're about different types of issues that happen in relationships, but it's fiction. It's 100% fiction. So for you to believe that it's really something that happened in my life, I guess, means that it was a success. Yes, that is. Yeah, that's true. Well, the same thing when the, with the author's are writing that alien fantasy, you know, reverse harem where, you know, you, and for those eight hours, you believe it's v- real and yes. and you're enjoying yeah. it um, until, and also when it comes even down to um, like the dark romance about the fact that when she gets kidnapped and all of a sudden she loves him, I'm like, no, if you kidnap me, you're going to get a knee to the, you know, the groin. I'm not going to fall in love with you. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's a whole, you know, fantasy thing that we love to escapism, but your books sound fantastic and extremely interesting, especially when we have such a diverse world where all our experiences Mm -hmm. are so different and our backgrounds are so different for you to be able to write a story where like, Oh my God, why are you talking about us? (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think it, I think it hit home for some people based on their past experiences, Mm -hmm. um, which I, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize I just wanted someone one to get lost in a book for two hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that a person's past experiences will lead to that experience with the book. But I, I guess it's that way in all media or in all fiction and entertainment that you watch or see. Um, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that whenever I started. Um, writing is difficult. I, I didn't know writing was so, it's, writing is very, very difficult. It is. It is. Especially when you're taking it serious and you're having to do some research or there's just making it sound interesting to the other person because you have that mindset. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't like now with you even narrating it when the author doesn't edit it and you're saying the same word 5,000 different times. Right. Right. Now, you know that because of the narration that you're not going to do that for your own book, but you're not even more conscientious and you're like what's the other word for this one thing and you're like it's okay to use it just 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 one more time that's it no yeah yeah (laughs) taking a quick break for a word from our sponsor the audiobook empire production company presents workshop rewind june 19th through june 24th this event has a stellar lineup of workshops including previous favorites and introducing a few new ones that all narrators regardless of experience will benefit by attending The Rewind events is for narrators only, however open to the public, meaning you don't have to be a member of the Audiobook Empire's roster in order to attend. Get your tickets by RSVPing at audiobookempire.com forward slash AE dash workshop dash rewind dash RSVP. Use promo code audiobook1123 to receive $100 off the fee. And now back to our episode. It, I was going to say in my story of us, Thomas, his wife asked for a separation because he's yeah. not being attentive. He's a basketball coach, so he travels a lot. And during the basketball season, he travels a lot. And he's really focused on sports, right? 
And uh, his wife says, this, this isn't working anymore. He's like, what's not working? The hairdryer, your cell phone? And she goes, no, our relationship. Like, you're not paying the attention that needs to be paid attention to myself and our two children. And so he's going on a road trip right after she tells him this. And he's confused and he's angry and he doesn't fully understand. And, you know, that's part of the character arc is that he he is self-centered to a certain extent, but he doesn't even realize it. Like he's not doing it. He thinks he's out creating a career to provide for his family when really what they need is for him to have a career and also spend time with his family. So in the first few chapters, um, he was he got he was mad. He was angry. And I had to really be careful because I thought this could possibly be a trigger and some people could turn this off in chapter two because just because they don't like this character. But I have to make him slightly self-centered and angry so he can redeem himself yes, and realize where his priorities should be. But you know what? What I found is even even the way I wrote it, that redemption varied yeah. from reader to reader or listener to listener. Mm-hmm. And even though, yeah, because I intended it to be one way, it was not always received that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, with any kind of relationship, you think sometimes that you're doing the best with what you, you know, for the other person and that you're supposed to be providing. I think also for a lot of the guys from, you know, from that perspective, you guys are raised to be the family provider and that that's, you know, right. I mean, sure that you, we have a house and a home and things like that when, and that means later nights and stuff like that. Like, I just want to be able to eat the pizza with you though, dude, which means you got to be home. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes the people will vocalize that concern and goes into deaf ears or, you know, in the moment the timing is off, no one's paying attention. So having that kind of conversation, yeah. I can totally see where he's like, what are you talking about? You've never brought this yeah. up well, in her head. She's like, I yeah. told you a thousand times. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And my my favorites, one of my favorite scenes in, in the miscommunication and where they're really on two different pages is um, she, he says, look, I'm home every weekend. And she 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 says, yeah, but do you even know what size shoes our kids wear? Mm-hmm. Do you know what cereal they eat for breakfast? Do you know what their favorite TV show is? And he doesn't know. He doesn't know. And he realizes in that moment that he doesn't know. And so what does he do? Instead of apologizing, he says, how do you how do you pay for those shoes? How do you pay for that cereal? And so then it just becomes into that. And that was difficult for me to write. But I thought there was a realism to it based on just what you said. Yeah. And they needed to get that out. And and instead of working together to come to some kind of relationships are complicated aren't yeah. they yeah oh goodness <laughs> they gracious. really really are they're layered and they're complemented are they're com- they're they're complicated but what 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 i've always wanted in a relationship and it's in the best relationships i've had in my entire life be it a friendship or a, an intimate relationship is i want to know that you have my best interest at heart mm-hmm. and and i want you to know that i have your best interest at heart and when that happens and that's what i wanted to happen in this book when that happens and, and everybody's on the same page and I'm listening to you and you're listening to me and we're trying to work this out. Um, that was my goal. But the book wasn't fully received that way by everyone. <laughs> well, it's it's a risk. I think anytime people write a story and publish it out, I give mad props to people that process that whole thing of mm-hmm. and then they actually put it out in the world because you don't know. and It's a gamble and it could be a huge success. And people can hate it and it's nothing. And so how it's, it's, you know, it's just, I always give mad props because of that. I'm like, I I have not done that. I don't think I ever would. Or not, even if I wanted to, I'm like, 
what's going to want to read it? So why bother? You know, um, mm-hmm. so again, huge mm-hmm. props for writing it and putting it out there into the world. But that relationships take, you know, a lot of communications. Uh, I would love to knowing that you have my back, but at the same time, having those communications where right, knowing what's right. important to you versus what's important to me. Like I, you know, in some cases like I, when, so here's an example. My husband was the one that would take care, uh, t- take our son to the doctor's appointments. I did not realize or remember the name of the doctor. It doesn't mean that I don't care. It was just something right. that timing was just not, he had the flexibility to do it. And I got slugged for that once by another parent. And I'm like, no, he's a teacher. He gets home earlier than I do. This is a tag team. Tag you right for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is it. No, that's right. That's right. You know? And then I'm like, babe, what's the name of the pediatrician? <laughs> I wrote it down <laughs> in my notes. And and that was just, again, you know, but if it was important to someone, you learn and then you you try to be there for that and for them in that scenario and, and what works. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So are these books available? Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, um, they're the print versions available, but mm-hmm. they're really uh, made for audio. And it's the My Story of Us series, My mm-hmm. Story of Us, Zach, and My Story of Us, Thomas. And I'm currently writing My Story of Us, Grayson. And uh, Grayson is the musician that's dealing with anxiety issues and panic attacks. And he oh meets, yeah, he meets, um, he meets his significant other at uh, a wedding he's performing at, and she helps him. Uh, be his best self and nice. yeah so it, it's it's a, it's a completely different story than the other two and you said that your these are also available in audio or not yet yes they're on audible that's awesome correct. perfect yep. yep oh i have to look those up and start picking them up on there. they're short they're novellas they're about mm-hmm. two hours long twenty thousand words maybe two hours and 15 minutes long so and then ultimately um after all six are written they'll be bundled together as the complete my story of us series the six guys are all friends and uh the the, the first guy writes the book and he writes a journal to his significant other as he falls in love with her and his friends make fun of him for doing that and then they end up each doing the same thing see see uh-huh yeah, yeah. yeah. mm-hmm yeah. it yep. to happen that way isn't it <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I actually, it's kind of based on a true story. I have, a, there's a six of us, I'm included, a, a group of friends. We get together every single year and we call it infinite adolescence. And, and that means we get together and we act like 12 year old boys. We don't cuss. We don't drink. We play video games. Uh, we play wiffle ball. We order pizza. We bake chocolate chip cookies and we act like our 12 year old selves. And we have the most fun every single year. And we've been doing this for 25 years. And it's really a magical experience. And that's kind of where the idea came from. I love that. Yeah. That's that's so much fun. Yeah. Not we're planning our, adults. <laughs> yeah, we're planning, <laughs> we're planning our trip for this year. And we're, just, we're so excited. We'll pull out the Nerf guns and have a big time. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's nice to be able to do that with a group of friends, especially when you've had them for so long. And it, you and we hear it all the time. We're like, oh, we don't see each other a whole lot. But when we get together, it's like no time has passed. Yeah. And, and especially now with the pandemic, how things were and social media being like, a lot of our friends are online and mm-hmm. we've never met before uh, until there's like, in this case, a book conference. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Thank you for telling us about the books. We'll be grabbing those and listening to them for sure. So when you're not working and you're not narrating or writing a book or hang out with your buddies, what do you do for fun? Oh, that's a good question. I love, I love to be entertained. So I'm in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, I'm not too far from Nashville, but I love live music. I love theater. I love movies. I love getting lost in stories. 
Um, so those are some of the things. I'm very, very competitive. Um, I like to play. Have you ever heard of pickleball? You're in Florida, so you know yeah. pickleball. Right? I've heard of pickleball, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I play pickleball. I play a little bit of tennis. I play disc golf. Um, uh, you play ball golf. Um, I don't, I just like to have fun. I just, it's just, it's the normal guy who likes to go have fun. Work for a convention, add pickleball to events and make sure Chris is there. <laughs> I think Florida is the pickleball capital of the world. <laughs> we might be, you know, we have so many retirements and older generations That's right. that, you know, have picked let, up on what that is. <laughs> let, let me explain in case any of your yes, listeners, please. because I, I didn't know, I didn't know. And actually this started with my group of friends getting together. We decided that it would be easier if we would get together once a year at a retirement community because oh we God. could just Airbnb. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we would be the youngest ones there, but we would get to play tennis and golf and pickleball and just hang out. And usually there are restaurants at all the golf yes. courses. So we started seeking out retirement communities. And this one retirement community had this big pickleball group. And it's it's if if ping pong and tennis had a baby, you uh -huh. would get pickleball, basically. It's like a little racket with a wiffle ball. And as you just said, it's for older people who don't want to run as much. So uh, <laughs> my friends and I are starting to hit that demographic. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh my God. I cannot believe you guys 20 years ago were looking for that. And then as we got an older, we're going, Hey, this kind of looks like a good place. to <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Now it's market research. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. But yeah, no, I, that, that's exactly right. I found that I went and listened to some um, family that were in a, older retirement community and they're like we're gonna go play pickle. i'm like excuse me what <laughs> yeah yep did the research i'm like oh that sounds interesting like fun but yeah i think it's uh should totally do that at a convention next time that you go to one set it up yeah <laughs> that sounds like fun yeah especially with your competitive nature oh that would be interesting to see <laughs> so between writing and narrating you're surrounded with words a lot same thing with your you know other the, the day job What's your favorite word separate from favorite curse word? Because that's the second part of this question. Oh, my favorite word. Mm -hmm. I know what my crutch word is because as a as a sports broadcaster, I go back and listen um, to get better. And I say the word outstanding way too much. <laughs> uh, that's my word. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. It's mm -hmm. outstanding. So I had to stop saying the word outstanding as much. Um, what is my oh, wow. I wish I would have known. I wish you would have present these questions. What it's is not like you favorite? don't listen to the podcast, Chris, and have you. Well, I know <laughs> you're right. What is my well, I knew the curse word. And I guess mm -hmm. I just wasn't thinking about my favorite word. It's not a uh, common thing because, again, we're so surrounded by them all the time. We're I mean, even right now. We're surrounded by them because we're talking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's OK if you don't have one now. It's not like you're not coming back and or we're not hanging out again. So you can tell me another time. <laughs> I think I, I think I like the word serendipity. I just like serendipity. It's just a fun word. It's a big word. It sounds good. Um, I like serendipity. OK, How's perfect. That? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. It's one of mine, yeah. too. Um, so favorite curse word. I'm not going to say it, but it's probably the F word because I've, the funny thing about the F word is there are there are 100 different definitions for mm -hmm. it and it can be used a thousand different ways. And as a voice actor, sometimes you have to be really creative in how you say it. And a lot of authors will write it uh, where it's strung together three to six times in a row. So <laughs> you have to deliver that with uh, in a convincing manner. So mm -hmm. probably the F word. OK, yeah. it's so cute that you're not saying it, though. <laughs> 
That is that that that's your most popular curse word that you get on the podcast, right? It is, I think. I think it's because it's so common and it can be used in so many different ways. I mean, noun, adjective, pronoun in so many different ways. And how you enunciate and where the you know the accents it mark is as far as the emphasis goes, mm-hmm. it says so much. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just one of those more common ones. But I've gotten a couple of other doozies, especially those that are bilingual or trilingual. They'll have something in oh, their own language yeah. that is just, urgh, you know, this just yeah. kind of takes the place. But it is common. But I've also had very creative ones, too. Yeah. The the F word, though, I mean, really, it's fun because the, the F sound is fun to make with the lips. Mm-hmm. And then, then you end with that K. You yes. know, that K sound. Mm, yeah. And it's really, it's, I mean, you, you have to physically get into it sometimes mm-hmm. to say it. Yeah. Or when again, you in, stretch in, out. In some the, of, yeah. And in some of the sex scenes, I mean, it's a sexy word, but it can also be an angry word. I don't know. It just has so much versatility. It does. It does. Yeah. Again, it's all how you, the, the timing of it, how you time the word. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I also know sometimes it, it could be used as a throwaway word or a filler. And that's yeah. when I'm like, no, 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 yeah. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, give it the respect it deserves, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking about the homework, one of the things I do love to do with the guests is play the game of two truths and a lie, where you tell us three things about yourself and we have to figure out which one's a lie. And I always say we, because I'm hoping the listener is playing along. And I do give that as homework because I never want to put you on the spot for something like this, you know, especially since... A lot of times you being creatives, you got to come up with the lie, right? And but see how you how you tell us. So what are your three things, Chris? Okay, so two of these will be true and one will be a lie, correct? Yes. And I have to figure okay. out which one it is. So you don't tell me which one it is. Okay. What What is your success record with this? Do you know? Um, I've been pretty good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's been some that you guys have done doozies and have really like, I'm like, oh, okay. I've learned that sometimes it becomes the 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 smallest details so Mm -hmm. you could have been a tennis player but if you only did it between the ages of five and ten but then you see in what you're telling me it's a teenager that's a lie because of the the timing right or it's one or two things or you were a scuba instructor but at the pool not the beach and so depending (laughs) on where you're telling me what the whole thing is but yeah so that's where i i pick up on some of those little nuances okay um and come so hit me <laughs> now, now are, you, are you going to ask me any questions about these or i'm just gonna no you're out? just gonna tell me and okay. uh and then we kind of go from there all right number one at the age of 19 i launched my own syndicated radio show that i not only wrote produced but also hosted it was heard on 49 states across the united states of america uh, i produced it out of an upstairs bedroom and uh, it ran for three years that's number one number two I became the spokesperson for a dog food company at the age of seven after I wrote the company a letter and sent them the letter and a picture of me with my dog. Hmm. Yeah. And number three, there is a board game called Risk. I am a grandmaster in the classic board game of Risk and currently play online against global competitors all over the world. And the highest ranking you can be in the game of risk is a grandmaster, much like chess. Mm-hmm. Those are the three syndicated radio show, dog food spokesperson, grandmaster, and risk. Yes. And this is totally where I know you've listened to the show before because you did a doozy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you just said my favorite word that I'm Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I can use that word as anything. And it's one thing I always tell people, like when you're here, uh, it's an 18 plus, so feel free. But I know sometimes it's interesting. Some people have no problems writing it or saying it as a narrator, but won't say it in real life as a conversation pieces. Right. Unless something right. else is going on. And they're like, oh, they're pissed. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> he looks fine. He said, fuck. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah um but yeah so yeah look at all, just on the first one all the little lovely details between the yeah. amount of states to the freaking age to all the, the, the how many years it was produced you blur. okay that could be diversion though right yes exactly kidding. it's yeah. one of those like if he put this much effort um we'll see and okay so hmm. own show spokesperson for a dog uh for dog food at the age of seven which mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And the board game grandmaster. I think the lie is. <laughs> oh, this is good. This is yeah, really yeah. Good. You did good. I, I'll you tell you what. Good. I'll tell you what. If if you get this correct, Ooh. I will send you uh my story of us Thomas and my story of us Zach signed, Aww. and I will give you audio codes for the no audio pressure. Codes. Um. <laughs> okay. See, I know. I will. Okay, the dog food is the lie. That's right. How did you know that? How did you know that? <laughs> okay, yeah. so because you started your career as far as wanting to know and be in, in you know, from the radio at the age of 14, the mm -hmm. fact that you and then went to school with and everything, the fact that at 19 you did this is not a surprise for me at all whatsoever. Okay. okay. Your okay. competitive nature was so yeah. make you a grandmaster in anything that you decide <laughs> to do yourself at. So whether it's risk, right. test, or anything else whatsoever. The dog, you didn't mention having a dog or anything like that. And usually yeah. if you're going to write about it to, to become a spokesman, it means that you had one and treasured them and all this stuff. Not right. saying that you didn't, but you just didn't mm. tell me about it. So it's a little different. I have two things to say. Number one, you're a fantastic <laughs> listener because that's right. You picked up on the other two things based on what we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, the spokesperson for the dog food company. I'm actually, I'm writing a fiction novel where the main character became the spokesperson for a dog food company at the age of seven. So mm. that's a fictional character that mm -hmm. I'm writing about that lives in this small town in Tennessee. See? Yep. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it will, it will be real, but be fiction. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not a real person. And I, 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 there's a little bit more to it, actually. Uh -huh. now, that I, now that I think about it, when I was 19 and did the syndicated radio show, I did not know you had to call stations at the time. Mm -hmm. And I actually had the show on cassette tapes. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> so I would send the cassettes to the radio station. But when I would call the station, I was the executive producer of the radio show Country Knowledge, uh, Chris Brinkley. But it was hosted by Rex Russell. But I was also Rex Russell. So I pretended like I was another person or I had two different names. I had an alias so that I would sound, sound sound like I wasn't in my upstairs bedroom. But <laughs> in the book where that I'm writing, where the spokesperson of the dog food company uh, got that job at the age of seven, his name is Rex Russell. Oh, and wow. And that's the same name of the guy who hosted the radio show, the real guy, years and years ago. And look at you manifesting it at the end of the day with the, you know, pseudonyms and narrating and producing and yeah. all, doing all this other fun stuff. And now now they're also characters stuff that you yeah. did back then you know i didn't wow. realize that was tied together until today <laughs> thank you thank you Welcome. I, I owe you that's right well my streak continues uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, i it, it is about good listening and, and those attention to details and again i i know that you guys the listeners don't hear it but they tell me where they had the bodies and it's just a matter <laughs> of kind of figuring out what those bodies look like though 
<laughs> but yeah, no, this is fantastic. Again, not surprised that at 19 you launched your own syndicated show based on what I know that you shared. So you know, there's oh. a, there's a other little part of that story too. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I considered it the biggest success of my life, and ultimately, I mentioned that the show was on cassette. Uh, we had to transition from cassette to compact disc. And at the time, it cost a lot of money to put a show on CD, and you had to order a thousand CDs at a time. You couldn't just make one or two. So I ran out of money and had to quit doing the syndicated radio show. And even though at the time I thought it was the biggest success of my life, ultimately I later thought it was the biggest failure of my life because it was it was I put my heart and soul into it at the age of nineteen and had to quit doing it at twenty two. And you know, for a long time, I think that that I carried that failure with me as a failure. And, and about 10 or 15 years ago, uh, I started thinking about it differently. And really a few years ago, um, I realized that, that failures can really be a good thing. You can learn from failure. As a matter of fact, if you use failure, right, it can be the biggest gift of your life. Um, and I just changed my mindset and I'm not afraid to fail anymore. Good. Um, and I, I say that just because. I don't know. I think there might be other people out there like me who are afraid of failure. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Fail and learn and, yeah. then, and then keep keep doing it. Yeah. And I think that that's also too the when you make, when you create something, you're putting yourself out there and it didn't work out, whether what regardless of what it is, don't stop. Figure out what didn't work for you at that for that specific situation and then yeah. modify it. Do something different. Go a different mm -hmm. route. And, and it's interesting that we look at, at ourselves as if it's a failure where I'm busting out with like, dude, you were 19 and you were doing all this stuff. That is huge success. You're and right. You didn't yeah. quit because you like, eh, I don't want this anymore. Or, you know, you decided to do one thing and that didn't work out. It was due to finances, which sometimes we don't have any control over. Things are right. freaking expensive sometimes. And, I, and you can't, you just can't. And so to me, that wouldn't even have been a failure. That's something that's out of your control. Mm -hmm. And it just. Yeah. But, but I felt in my reality yes, for a long yeah. time, it was a failure. Mm -hmm. And and you're right. I mean, if I had the and, you know, and for a long time, I wanted to write a book and I did not write a book until three or four years ago. And I was afraid I was afraid of putting something out there. And that's why, look, I salute you for what you've done and promoting this world and having your own podcast. Like I want to do a podcast, but I really haven't done one yet. You're on episode what? How many episodes have you done? Oh, God, I don't need, I've lost count because it's a spinoff of the audio building series, which happens in June. I kind of like restarted it for the podcast. So we're like in season four, episode 30, year 32. But mm -hmm. I've been doing this for like for nine years. As yeah. far as the pot, as yeah. the series goes, which is going to start all over again in June. <laughs> and that's our ninth year. So it's yeah. one of those things where it's been a long time. <laughs> that's so awesome, though, because you, you do you remember when it was just an idea? And yeah. how how you probably were slightly hesitant and didn't know if you could pull it off or how to pull it off. And look at you now. Look what you're doing right now. Um, I just think that's so awesome. Thank you. I used to do do a Google Hangout. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, yeah. It was just an idea when nothing nine years ago there was nothing happening with audiobooks as far as having the conversation. Social media was still up and coming when it came down to some of these things, and we loved our authors, whether it was on print or ebook. That was the only conversation. Audiobooks was really not a thing so much, but I was a huge fan. My my dearest friend Kelly, who was the co-creator of the series, also a huge audiobook fan. And so we would always have these kind of sideline conversations on Facebook and on, and via phone. And we're like, are we the only, are we the only ones? <laughs> and they're like, and then so we kind of started having the conversations out loud more. And they're like, no, we're not. But no one's doing this. No one's talking about it. And then we learned that June is audiobook month. 
And mm. so we started researching it and there was nothing. I don't even mm. think APA at the time was doing anything specifically except for maybe a blurb at the beginning and that was it. So we're like, we should do it. And we're like, we do? We 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 will do this. <laughs> and yeah, there was that doubt. And for a while there, we mean didn't do we did our basic research on how we're gonna get this out to the masses. Thanks to YouTube and Google Hangouts, we were able to do it. <laughs> and now I have a mic that's professional looking and you know, yeah. recording and an editor. And it's been nine years. And so thank you so much mm. for the for all that. It's it's a lot of work, but I love it. And I totally, yeah. when you were telling me about your your three things, I'm like, you still need to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm yeah. definitely working on it. Yeah, I kind of yeah, keep But no, posted. thank you. And thank you for promoting and what you do for the audiobook world too. Um uh-huh. It, it really has. It's it's changed a lot with the ability mm-hmm. to listen on phones and listen in cars. Yeah. And, you know, I I think and it, it really goes back for me. One of the re- I didn't say this, but one of the reasons I wanted I'm so happy to be in this world is I remember as a kid, my mother was a home health care nurse and she would drive around the houses and listen to audiobooks on cassette. And and the first audio book I did, I was like, Mom, listen. And then when the guy said, this is audible. And then my name, I was like, I've made it like I'm, yeah. I'm on it. And it's so cool to be able to do something in a little room and then just release it to the world uh, and know it's out there, just like your podcast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's I love what you guys do and how you bring the communities together and how there is a huge community. And it doesn't matter where we're from, what our age is, it, nothing matters. We all have at least the very one thing in common in that we love audiobooks. Yeah. And, and then sub communities kind of be in there whether they're fiction or romance or this or that and it's just one of those where it's great and so to be able to be a bit of that bridge of connecting the author and the narrators Mm -hmm. with the listeners is always been a goal for me and to have been able to continue to be able to do it is is great you've done it brilliantly and i think just a few years ago so and maybe even today it's a misconception people think audiobook listeners don't want to read or they're lazy. Mm-hmm. That's not true at all. They're multitaskers. They're voracious readers. They love to enjoy stories while they're doing other things. And I think finally, finally, and it's because of you and others, the audiobook world is getting the recognition that it deserves. No, thank you. Yeah. I think that you're hitting the nail on the head there about being the lazy thing. Um, but we are multitaskers. And on the on the opposite side of things, I I've always been a voracious reader, but as I got older, because you know, adulting, it was almost like a guilty pleasure. And I'm like, no, I have to clean the house. Oh, I, I what else should I be doing? I, sh- I could be earning money doing other things if I stopped reading. And then I, you know, with the audio, I can clean the house and listen. I can do this and can listen. I can be at the day job in cubicle world and listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, makes it a lot go faster and a lot better so it's it's a great community and i appreciate you guys coming on as guests and and sharing parts of yourselves with me and other and and the listeners and just discovering new voices and new stories and all that fun stuff so thank you awesome thank you thank Thank you you. before we go can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming out next for you um let's see i am currently prepping a book that was written by carla Sorensen, um and I met her through Penny Reed and the Smarty Pants Romance World, but she has a new book that's coming out. Um, I'm also working on um, the Dalton Savage series, uh, L.T. Ryan um, book, Savage Grounds. And uh, there's another Penny Reed project that's coming up not too far away. So those are some of the things I'm working on. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I know that we're going to see about getting to be able to do more conventions. So I'm sure you'll share that on social media when you decide to go to another event. 
But thank you again for so much, Chris, for taking the time to hang out with me. It's been so much fun and a pleasure to, to connect with you and chats. Thank you. I've loved it. I have, <laughs> and I enjoy it. And again, I'll probably be on the treadmill tomorrow morning listening to another <laughs> episode of your podcast. Thank you. Aww. I'm going through the back catalog now. Oh, ooh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know how you all are like yeah that was my first book it wasn't the best i'm going ah oh, fuck me yeah thank you just remember uh you love me when you're listening to these older ones and you're like okay yeah she's got it better <laughs> no i think it's great and yes i once narrated book a book mm -hmm. on how to grow tomatoes so oh, okay <laughs> yeah, i have a back catalog too yeah, I think we all do. We're going, oh, if I knew not now, you know, then when I know now, I would have been so different. But it's those growing pains that make us better at what we do now because we've learned. So that's always a good thing. But um, if you're not following Chris on his socials, I will be including all his links information where you can find him. Um, so you guys don't have to go hunting for that. But make sure you do follow because he has some fun stuff coming out that um i know that he just can't share right now so haha -ha. i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you'll be able to find that information as long as some of the notes from our chat today over at the landing page for this episode at viviana enchanters of books and until next time happy listening thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon special thanks to nixley zenner carol liebner Brittany Robinette Leiter, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, VivianaEnchantressOfBooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, Happy listening.